Well, hey guys, um, so glad that y'all are here. Uh, as Brad said, my name is Samer, and I get to uh, work with the living room uh, up in Woodstock, Woodstock City Church, and Kennesaw State primarily. So this is our last living room of the summer, so thanks for joining us. But if you were with us last week, then you know we've kicked off kind of this two-part little mini-series about the Holy Spirit. And Brad and I were really excited about this idea because if there's something that's quite often misunderstood, if there's something that kind of just seems a little weird, if there's something that kind of feels like a little cultish about Christianity, it's this idea of the Holy Spirit. Like if I wasn't a Jesus follower, and maybe if you are a Jesus follower, the whole idea of the Holy Spirit is kind of a weird idea. Like, what is the Holy Spirit? Like, is it like Pokemon Go? Like, what is, you know, like, can I see it? Can I feel it? Like, what in the world is the Holy Spirit? And what we know about the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit is God. Like, you've got God the Father, you've got God the Son, and then you've got God the Holy Spirit. The Father gets a lot of press, Jesus gets a lot of press, but the Holy Spirit, not as much. But the Holy Spirit is just as much God as Jesus is God, and is just as much God is the Father is God. We believe that there's one God who exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I don't know if you've ever had like weird interactions with people when you talk about the Holy Spirit. I remember um, I was up speaking for this like church retreat, and I won't say the name of the church, and I was getting ready to get up on stage to speak to these middle schoolers. And this woman comes up, she's like, hey, can I pray for you? I was like, yeah, I can use some prayer. And all of a sudden, I see her hand like coming like this, looks like in the shape of my skull, and like... Like, just, just like this, right? And I'm like, here we go, okay? And so at this point, if I move too much, I'm going to break my neck. You know, she's got full control of my body. And she just goes at it, like, may the Holy Spirit rain down in fire. And I was like, what? And, and may it fill you up. May, you, may your servant, may the Spirit come down and rest on his shoulders. And I was like, what are you talking about? So we finished, and I said, amen. And I was like, good gosh, is that? And I thought, is that? Is that how it works? Like, does it come down? Is it already here? Like, is it fire? I know Acts 2, it kind of was at one point, but is it like, is that how, what, what is going on? How does it work? I was having dinner with one of my friends in college, went to University of Georgia, and I had hurt my thumb in a dodgeball accident. Serious, serious, hurt a tendon, and, uh, and I had to keep it immobile. Uh, for a few weeks to let the tendon heal before I get back on the court. And I was having dinner with a buddy of mine, and he said, man, what happened to your thumb? I said, man, I heard it playing dodgeball. And, uh, and so he's like, oh, man, can I pray for it? At this point, I should learn to say no. But I was like, yeah, man, yeah, that's awesome. And then he goes, I believe the Holy Spirit can heal your thumb. And I was like, well, I think the cast can heal my thumb, you know? And so I, I took the cast off, the, the rubber bandage, and then he, like, no joke, takes his four fingers like this and like, grabs my thumb. And I'm like, can I finish my bread? You know, like, what, 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 you know, and so he just starts praying. I'm thinking, I'm a believer. I believe in prayer, but I mean, like, can we go somewhere, you know, and he's just, I don't remember, but can the Holy Spirit, by the power of the Holy Spirit, may the thumb heal, da, 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 and then he gets done. He's like, how's it feel? I was like, I mean, it feels okay. I don't want to hurt his feelings, you know, and he's like, oh, man, you, were, you just got healed. I was like, yeah, yeah. So I put the, th- put the cast back on, and I run into him a few days later. He's like, oh, what happened to your thumb? I was like, man, it hurt, hurt it again. Can you believe that, you know? But like, how does the Holy Spirit 
work. And, and if you missed last week, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to Brad's message about the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we looked at what Jesus teaches in John chapter 16 about the role of the Holy Spirit. And just to give you a quick recap, we said that the three roles that Jesus teaches about the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives is that the Holy Spirit counsels and advocates on our behalf, that the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, and the Holy Spirit guides us in all truth. Now, I don't have time to get into those things. That's what last week's message was, so I want to encourage you to go check that out. But today, what we're going to do is, we talked last week about the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives, and today, I want to talk about an idea that I think is oftentimes just as confusing, and it can be kind of like, what in the world does that mean, and what does it look like? I want to talk about what it means for us as Jesus followers to walk by the Spirit. What does it mean to walk by the Spirit. What does it look like to walk by the Spirit? Like if you read anything in the New Testament about that, you, you read Paul a lot, talks about walking by the Spirit. Well, what in the world does that look like? It's kind of an abstract idea. How do I walk alongside something that I can't see? And I've said this before, but when you follow Jesus in the first century, it was very tangible. You quite literally followed in the footsteps of Jesus. But then when Jesus left, he still wanted us to follow him, so he sent us his Holy Spirit to live inside of us so that we could continue to follow Jesus. And I don't think Jesus wanted to complicate things by sending us the Holy Spirit. No, no. I think Jesus wanted us following and walking by the Holy Spirit as we follow Jesus. I think Jesus wanted that to be tangible. I think he wanted it to be very practical, and I think he wanted it to be very, very real. And so tonight, for just a few minutes, we're going to talk about what it means to walk by the Holy Spirit. We're going to answer three questions, and one of them is already up there, and I've already said it. But the first question we're going to, so if you like to take notes, I'm going to be very organized. If you don't like very organized, we're glad you're here anyway. Um, but, but question number one, what does it mean to walk by the Holy Spirit? We're going to answer that question. Second question we're going to answer is why does it matter if we're walking by the Holy Spirit? Why is this a big deal? Why should I care? And then the third question we're gonna answer is how can I walk by the Holy Spirit? So what does it mean? Like just the, the definition, just textbook straight up, what does it mean? Why does it matter? And how do I do it? And we're gonna look at a passage in Galatians chapter five where the Apostle Paul answers each of these questions kind of in order of the passage. So we're gonna jump in to Galatians chapter five starting in verse 16. Starting verse 6, this is what the Apostle Paul writes. He's writing to these Galatian Christians, and he says, So I say, walk by the Spirit. There's our phrase. And if you do, it's condition, if you walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. There's two kind of really big implications right off the bat with this opening verse. And the first is that the only way you can not gratify the desires of the flesh is by walking by the Spirit. Gratifying the desires of the flesh is living in your sinfulness. It's choosing sin. Right, like the Apostle Paul says uh, in Romans chapter 7 or 8, can't remember, forgive me, but he says that if all I am is flesh, there is nothing good within me. Like if you take the spirit out of the equation, all of humanity, we're just flesh, and the Apostle Paul says the flesh is nothing but sinfulness, and if all I am is flesh, then the only thing that I know how to do is to gratify the desires of the flesh. However, Paul here says, but, but if we have the spirit, if the Spirit lives inside of you, and if you are walking by the Spirit, all of a sudden that becomes the means, that becomes the only means by which we can live in a way and say no to sin and yes to walking 
by the Spirit. Now, the idea of walking, I love that because the, the Apostle Paul here is laying down this idea that walking by the Spirit, that, that it's, it's not a passive activity, but it's very active. Like we play a role in it. There's a personal responsibility we have as it relates to walking by the Spirit. That while it is the Holy Spirit that enables us to say no to sin, we play an active part in that. That to walk by the Holy Spirit is to depend on the Holy Spirit, to lean into the Holy Spirit. Has anyone been on crutches before? Crutches, any of you guys had to do that in your life? Yep. Hopefully you don't if you haven't. I've torn both of my ACLs about two and a half years apart. Yeah. And so I've had my fair share of crutches. I thought they'd make my biceps or my triceps big. They just made my elbows hurt. They don't really, there's no exercise there. It's very deceiving. Um, but, but when you use crutches, right, you need crutches because crutches help you do what you could not do on your own, right? I've got my ACL surgery. I've got my leg propped up. If I have to go to the bathroom, then I've got to get on my crutches and it's got to take me from point A to point B and I would not be able to do it otherwise. And the thing about crutches, this is really obvious, right? But you have to depend on them for them to work. You've got to lean in on your crutches and until you depend on them and when you depend on them, they will do for you what you could not do on your own, take you from point A to point B. In a very similar way, that's how the walking by the Holy Spirit works. That if we lean into the Holy Spirit, if we depend on the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you, it enables you to do what you could not do on your own. Say no to sin. Say no to gratifying the desires of the flesh. Rather than saying yes to sin, you yield and depend on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is living inside of you, but there's no such thing as like an automatic autopilot Jesus button. Like the Holy Spirit does just magically work and make you not want to sin, right? There's not like a button that says, press this in case of sinful behavior. You know what I mean? It'd be awesome if it was. It's like, oh, you're hot, sin. I'm not having sex. You know, like, I mean, that'd be... That'd be really helpful, I think, at a lot of times, you know? But that's not how it works. That's not how it works. It doesn't automatically work. We've got to depend on it. And so the Holy Spirit lives in you, and it waits to be depended on. And when, it, when we depend on it, when we walk by it, we can do what we could not do on our own. Say no to sin. And here the Apostle Paul, he pits against each other the Spirit in the flesh. And he goes on to describe this conflict, which we're going to unpack here in verse 17. He says, for the flesh, your sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit, what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. So the apostle Paul says, hey, there's this, you, as, a, as a follower of Jesus, you have these two natures. You've got your sinful nature that you got from Adam and Eve. Thank you, right? Not really, but appreciate it. Just for eating the apple. Hope it tasted good. Um, and so we've got this sinful nature, but then when we become Jesus followers, we have this new spiritual nature, this new spiritual nature that enables us to say no to sin. And, and the apostle Paul says, these two natures, both inside of you are always in conflict. That, that one of these natures desires evil and sin, the flesh, and the other nature in you desires holiness and desires to obey God and desires to follow Jesus. And they are in constant conflict. You've felt this in your life. If you're a Jesus follower, you felt this in your life. When you've come into a situation where you knew that you probably should not do something, but part of you still wanted to do that something, that is that conflict of the flesh and the spirit, 
I mean, remember those old cartoons and maybe like TV shows that aren't really good um, that, that have like the, the angel and the devil, you know what I'm talking about? And they kind of like pop up, you know, and they're kind of like arguing, no, do this. No, don't do that. Do this. No, they're playing the harp, you know, the angel devil thing. That's kind of a dumb way to, 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 to talk about it, but it's a very helpful illustration of this, this conflict inside of you. That they're waging war against each other, trying to win your affection. You guys seen the movie This Means War with Reese Witherspoon? You know what I'm talking about? Just me. Okay. Um, I like chick flicks and I don't really care. Um, I love it. So does my wife. And so in this movie, right, Reese Witherspoon is this one girl and these two guys are best friends and they're like kind of fighting for her and then they end up fighting against each other for this one thing. It's like the spirit and, and the sinful nature, it's like fighting for our affection. Like who are we going to give control over to. There's this conflict. And here's what I want to say about this conflict. If you're a Jesus follower, this verse should be and could be one of the most encouraging verses that you'll read in a really, really long time. Because if there is conflict, I want you to know that that is a really, really good thing. If you feel that there's this struggle you have with sin and you feel the struggle and you feel this conflict, that's a really good thing because that means something is working. You are never going to live a day of this life on this side of heaven and not have some kind of, the desire of sin is never gonna go away. You're never just gonna never not desire some kind of sin. It's part of our nature. We're there, however... We are enabled to say no to it, but that struggle is there. If you've ever, I want you to really be encouraged by this. If you are struggling with a sin, if you've ever struggled for a sin and you wanted to feel bad about it, I want you to know that if you are struggling and if there is a conflict and you feel that conflict, I want you to be encouraged, not discouraged, because it means something is working. If you are in conflict with some kind of sin in your life, it means the Holy Spirit is working in you. If you are in conflict with some kind of sin in your life, it means you're on the right track. If you are in conflict in some kind of sin in your life, it means that you are at a place where maybe, maybe by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, you can still say no to that sin. This conflict, it's like your spiritual pulse. You know, you, you can kind of feel your pulse right here on your wrist and you can feel your pulse right here under your jaw and your ear, uh, under your ear. And if you have a pulse, it's a really good thing. It's, it's a vital sign of life, right? Like if you've ever taken a lifeguarding class or first aid and how to treat, you check if they're breathing and if they have a pulse. You can even have a pulse when you're not breathing. As long as you have a pulse, you're, you've got a shot. You've got a chance. That conflict inside of you is your spiritual pulse. It's saying, hey, there's nothing wrong with you. It means that the Holy Spirit is actually working in you. It's that moral compass that says something is out of line. And so there's this conflict and it's good. It's good that that conflict, I'd be concerned if it wasn't. But in the midst of this conflict, and as we're about to find out, even though the Holy Spirit enables us to choose to walk and follow the Spirit and follow God's word and follow Jesus versus choosing our sin, we still have a choice to make. That, that, that in that conflict, you decide, do I want to pursue the flesh? Do I want to pursue sin? Do I want to pursue what I, pursue what I think I want or what I think I desire? Or am I going to yield and depend on the Holy Spirit and walk in the ways of God? That choice is yours. 
And the apostle Paul is about to tell us how you know which one you are giving control to and why it matters. So just to kind of answer the first question, what does it mean to walk by the Holy Spirit? If you just you can walk out of here and you're going to know by definition, man, just what does it mean to walk by the Holy Spirit? It means that when that conflict arises, you yield and depend on the Holy Spirit and say no to sin. Simple. That's what it means. That in that conflict, you yield and depend on the Holy Spirit and you say no to sin. But why in the world should you want to do that? The Apostle Paul tells us next in verse 19. He says, the acts of the flesh are obvious. That, that if you continue to say yes to the flesh, if you continue to say yes to sin and ignore the conflict Holy Spirit side of things, and now I'm just going to do what I want, the acts of the flesh are obvious. This is what your life will produce. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft. That's a big one in college students, right? Um, hatred, discord. I know what y'all do in your dorm. Jealousy. Fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. The Apostle Paul gives us a really long list of what will become of your life if we continue to indulge in the flesh. Now, as we joked about with witchcraft... There's a lot of words in that list that we don't really use anymore. And if we're just being totally honest, it's kind of hard to feel the weight of if you walk in flesh, then you will be a witch. You know, like we're gonna, it's kind of hard to feel the weight of that debauchery. I'm sorry, I'm probably even saying that word wrong. You know, like we, it's kind of hard to feel the weight of those words because we don't use them. Which is why I looked up these two verses in a translation of the Bible called The Message. And it's a paraphrased version using vernacular language of the Bible, put into modern day language. And I want to read those two verses because I think it hits a lot more close to home. When we read vernacular language of what will become of our lives when we continue to say yes to the sin. And this is what The Message says, very same two verses. The Apostle Paul writes, it is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time, out of, out of trying to, to do what you want, your desires, and fulfilling the flesh. This is what will be produced. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex. A stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage. Frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness. Trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfied once, a brutal temple, temper, an impotence to love or be loved, divided homes and divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival, uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of communities I could go on. So all of the sudden... We start to feel the weight and the destruction of what becomes of your life when we keep saying yes to sin. I don't care if you're a Jesus follower or not. You don't want those things to be a part of your life. That's not the life that anybody wants. But you don't really think about that in the moment when you're trying to go after what you want. Because we kind of just look in the moment and forget that every decision we make in the moment never stays in the moment. That here, the Apostle Paul spells out the tangible effects of sin in your life. The pain, the regret, 
and the wreck that becomes of life when we keep saying yes to the flesh. Then the apostle Paul says, but hang on, this is what happens when you say yes to the spirit. This is what happens when, because the Holy Spirit enables you to do what you can't do, which is say no to sin, when you yield to the Holy Spirit, when you depend on the Holy Spirit, when you trust in the Holy Spirit, when you decide to act in the midst of this conflict on what you know is right, even if you don't necessarily want to, this is what your life will produce. That as we yield to the Holy Spirit, your life will produce these things. But the fruit of the Spirit, and you've, you've heard the fruit of the Spirit. Your grandma probably has this cross-stitched in her kitchen and in her living room. You know what I'm talking about? It's like a cute little thing, but it's a real thing. But the fruit of the Spirit, and I love the imagery of fruit, because something, right, a plant, a plant gives off fruit when it is thriving, when it is healthy, and a plant is doing exactly what it was created to do when it is giving off fruit. And that fruit is life-giving. That fruit is quite literally sustenance. It gives life to other people. And that's the beautiful imagery that the Apostle Paul chooses to use about our lives when we yield and depend and trust and walk in the ways of the Holy Spirit. That your life will begin to produce these fruit. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And he goes on to say, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. That when we put our faith in Jesus, that on the cross hung all of our sins, well, in a very real way, in a, in a metaphorical way, but in a very real way, that when we put our faith in Jesus, we also crucified our flesh and said, no more. And I want to go back and look at these fruit real quick that are produced in you. That when you yield, this is what your life produces. That it's not even something that you're actively trying to do. You're just yielding the spirit and walking in the ways of God, saying no to sin, even if you don't want to in the moment. And your life produces love. Love, affection for other. The kind of love that puts the interest of other people first. The kind of love that says, I don't need anything in return. I'm just going to love you because my heavenly father loved me. Joy, an exuberance for life in any circumstance finals week. Peace, peace, that you would have rest, that your life would be void of any anxiety or stress, forbearance, that, that you would be able to hold, hold back, that you would be able to, to hold back and not just jump in or rush into anything, that you would have a level head, kindness, that you'd be able to lend your strength to somebody else. That, that you all know when you meet a kind person and it's just like, man, because usually sometimes it's like, that's what you say when like you go on a date. It's like, how was it? Oh, he was kind, you know, like, but kind is a really great word. I hope people say of me that I was kind. Kindness is lending your strength, lending your ability, lending what you have for the sake of somebody else. Goodness. This is so cool that the holiness of God would permeate through you. It's such an amazing picture, goodness, that, that, that the holiness of God would permeate through the way that you live, through the way that you talk, through the way that you think, through the way that you treat people. 
That as you yield to the Holy Spirit, it produces love and joy and peace and forbearance and kindness and faithfulness. That you would be able to stick to whatever it is that you've decided to commit to. That you would be able to walk faithfully with God through any circumstance and through college. Which is a lot easier said than done, isn't it? Gentleness. That you wouldn't force your way onto other people. But you would almost slow down to their pace. And self-control. Discipline. Restraint. And being able to wisely direct your energies to where they need and should go. That as we yield to the Holy Spirit, and as we say yes to the Holy Spirit, and no to the sin that sometimes looks so good but is clearly destructive, the Holy Spirit will produce these fruit in your life. And my goodness, the world today is desperately in need of the people of God to produce these kind of fruit. And as you produce these kind of fruit, you live a life that honors God and you're able to take hold of God's best for your life. And so let's just kind of review where we've been. We asked the question, well, what does it mean? What does it mean to walk by the Holy Spirit, that in that moment of conflict, you would yield and depend on the Holy Spirit rather than say yes to your flesh. And why does it matter? Why should you care? Because of the verses we just read. Why should you care? Because one way is going to lead to a life that honors God and one way won't. One way is going to lead you to be able to take hold of God's best and the other way is going to kill every good thing in your life because that's what sin does. Have you ever stopped to think for just a moment that God doesn't want you to sin not because he's trying to be some, some mean old grandpa judge up on a hill but because he wants what's best for you? That he knows sin will kill every good thing in your life and because he, he wants more for you than you want for yourself. So why, why, why should we care about walking by the Holy Spirit? Because one way leads to life and the other leads to a lot of pain and a lot of regret. So the question becomes, how? How do I walk by the Holy Spirit? Like tangibly and quite literally, as practically as possible, how do I walk by the Spirit? The Apostle Paul says this, verse 24, 25, excuse me. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us keep in step. Let us keep in line with the Spirit that it's a process, it's a journey every single day. And how do you do that? You pay attention and you resolve to follow. 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 That the Holy Spirit, when that conflict arises, that you would pay attention that you wouldn't brush it aside, that you wouldn't ignore it, that you wouldn't be blinded by all that you have going on, but that you would pay attention to whatever it is that the Holy Spirit is doing in your life, that conflict that arises. The, the, the Apostle Paul makes it really clear that if you want to know, you know where you're walking and what you're paying attention to, just look at what your life produces. 
That if you want to know what you're paying attention to, are you paying attention to the Spirit or your own desire more, then you need to ask the question, what is my life producing? What kind of friend am I? What kind of boyfriend am I? What kind of girlfriend am I? What kind of student am I? What kind of random stranger on the bus or in Publix am I? What kind of son am I? What kind of daughter am I? What kind of neighbor am I? What habits what do I have? What addictions am I feeding? How much hope do I live with? Answering those questions and figuring out what your life is producing will tell you what you are yielding to. And so how can you walk by the Spirit? Pay attention to his leading. Pay attention to that conflict that rises up. Don't ignore it. Because if you're not paying attention, you are going to miss it completely. And then pay attention and resolve to follow. I love this word resolve. I love it. It's more than just deciding. It's a pre-decided. It's a, I've predetermined that I, before I even get into that situation, I've decided I'm walking this way. I've predecided, I've predetermined that I'm going to, by the power of the Holy Spirit in me, walk and say yes to the ways of God, not to the destructive ways of sin. And some of you might say, Sam, or yeah, yeah, it's easy to predetermine. If you can't do it now, then you have no shot in the moment. Resolve to say, I'm going to walk in the ways of God. Pay attention. Pay attention. It's not complicated. It's not magic. It's not this weird Christianese, overly religious thing. No, no, just pay attention. And when that conflict arises, say yes to the one that wants to give you life, not to the thing that promises to take it away. Pay attention and resolve to follow. Have you ever um, <clears throat> been lost? I, I, one of the, I hate being lost, like on the road or in a park. That's happened before. Um, there, there's something in me that just rages when I get lost. I got lost in Israel once, trying to take my in-laws to Jerusalem. That's my land, and I got lost, you know? It was awful. It was so embarrassing. I hate being lost. And it happens not as much these days, because we've got our phones, our GPS, Right? Like now, if you get lost, it's like, really, bro? You got ways? You got Google? You can tell your phone where to go and it'll take you there, right? Usually it's like I took a wrong turn. But do you remember this? Do you remember before? Maybe you don't. I don't know how old you guys are. But I remember time before smartphones, before you pressed the screen, when you were still excited about color on your screen, we had to print off directions. Imagine that. I don't know how we drove. I, honest to God, don't know how I got anywhere when I was 16 years old. I don't know. I went to MapQuest on Yahoo. Google, I don't even know if it existed yet. You know what I mean? And I printed off directions, and that's how I got places. We got lost all the time. So interesting. There's this fascinating human study. There's this, this fascinating thing that humans do, and it used to be considered an urban myth. But now studies have actually are being done that when a human is lost like in the woods or in a desert, and you tell them to walk in a straight line. They always walk in a circle. That there's literally, they've, they've studied it. It used to be like an urban myth. They studied it. They put GPS on people, put them in the woods and say, hey, walk from point A to point B in a straight line. And they always end up walking in a circle, more confused and more lost than they were when they started and nobody knows why. And one of the lead researchers on one of the one studies I read said, if you're going into a remote area, don't rely on your own intuition. Take a GPS. 
you trying to walk from point A to point B, relying on your own instinct, relying on your own desires, relying and trying to feed your own flesh is going to lead you to walking around in a circle more lost than you ever were, more confused than you ever were, more frustrated than you ever, more regretful than you ever were. The only way you're going to get from point A to point B is to rely on and pay attention to that spiritual GPS called the Holy Spirit that's trying to tell you, don't walk Walk towards something that's going to kill you. Walk to the one thing that can give you life. And as you do, as you rely on that spiritual GPS, that moral compass, when you pay attention, it will, when you yield to it, it will produce fruit in your life that will allow you to take hold of God's best. It will allow your relationships to flourish. It will allow your influence to multiply. It will allow you to know God more intimately than you could have ever imagined. And it will allow you to walk in faith through any circumstance, through any trial. It will allow you to grow your purity. It will make you into the best future husband or wife you could possibly imagine. Pay attention and don't try to get from point A to point B on your own intuition because it doesn't happen in physically this world and it doesn't happen in this spiritual sense either. So what have we said? We've answered three questions tonight. It's not complicated. It's really not. It's not complicated at all. What does it mean to walk by the Holy Spirit? Yielding in that moment of conflict, yielding and depending and trusting in the Holy Spirit and saying no to sin. That's what it means. Why should you do it? Because one way leads to life and the other leads to the death of every good thing in your life. How do you do it? You pay attention and you resolve to follow. You pay attention and you resolve to follow. And as you do, the Holy Spirit will produce fruit in your life that I believe will help us understand more than ever what Jesus meant when he said, I have come to give you life and to give it to the full. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit. That's what it is. It is a gift that when Jesus left, you sent us yourself again. But this time it wasn't a Jesus who was defined to one place at one time. No, no, you sent us a spirit that could go with each and every single one of us wherever at the same time, all the time. Thank you that you've given us this Holy Spirit who can guide us and lead us. And I pray that you would give us the courage that in those moments of conflict to believe that you're not trying to keep something from us, but that you want something for us. That in those moments of conflict, by the enabling power of your Holy Spirit, that we would say yes to following your ways and your son and take hold of your best for our lives. It is in Jesus' name that we pray these things. Amen.